Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we want to bring you information, concepts, strategies, guests that will help you on your life trek, your journey, so that you can do better. It's called the Secrets of Success. So we want to tap into other people's wisdom, experiences, both positive and not so positive, so that we can help you and others that you know grow and contribute at a higher level. Today is no exception as far as having a quality, exceptional guest, a friend of mine, and I'd like to welcome Robert Richardelli to the show. Robert, welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here, Ken. Of course, it's great to always be interviewed when it's someone that uh, has journeyed with you and then you consider a friend, so it's great to be here. Well, thanks, Robert. And so as we do in most of our shows, we uh, have our audience get to know you, Robert, just through your own journey, your background. So just so everybody's listening, Robert's an expert in sales. He has had his own uh, TV show, Converging Zone. Uh, he's relaunching that very, very soon. Uh, so, And then Robert also has uh, a lot of expertise around leadership as well and is an entrepreneur. So, Robert, what's your journey? What got you into sort of the development area and the sales area. What's, what's your story? Where'd, where did you sort of grow up, and how did you journey into the space that you're in now? Well, first of all, I always, uh, I've always uh, had a great faith, and I think faith is, is the foundation for Rob, Robert Richardelli from an early childhood and growing up with an Italian heritage, but very, very strong Christian uh, family unit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much religious, but had a lot of faith. So that was that's a big foundation for me. And then secondly, I have always had a heart for people. And I think when you look at, from a sales perspective, when you look at uh, leadership, uh, the true sales folks that I, I feel succeed the most are ones that really care about uh, the end in mind for their clients and the, and the leaders care for those that uh, they serve them, uh, in, in the organization. So, so I've always had that kind of, like, I would call it intuitively within me. Uh, and then after 25 years of uh, working in the sales arena with Boise Cascade, and, which became Office Max, which became Office Depot, and I was working the business, the business division, in 2007, there was kind of a, even prior to 2007, I was doing a lot of philanthropic work in South Africa, Guatemala, and, and other places, and I kind of decided, uh, my wife and I decided to go on a journey where we were going to do it full time. And so in 2007, I left my corporate job and kind of went into coaching, consulting, and other things, which means whatever the community needed, I would serve them. And oftentimes it could be some leadership coaching, it could be some speaking into the churches or communities, it could have been um, in, in Guatemala we did a water project uh, where we brought clean water initiatives into the, into the town, up the mountains. So, so philanthropic work started in 2007 under, the, under my uh, uh, 
corporation called the Converging Zone. And I love this idea of convergence, of communities mm-hmm. coming together, of people coming together. And so uh, that's what I did. And then in 2012, I was asked to do a, a talk show. I'd always been connected, so I had a, a, a fairly large following for someone who wasn't <laughs> a celebrity. Um, uh, with, with about 250,000 followers between my email list and social media. I was an early adopter to social media. And, um, and so through that following, that connected me with many parts of the world, which allowed me to travel and speak in, the, in the over 20 countries. And so, so with that experience, uh, I started this talk show. And the talk show really was going to be about great stories, what people have done in their lives, what, how they've overcome, miraculous uh, oftentimes stories and I loved it because I love hearing people's stories as you do and that's why you have this podcast um, mm-hmm. and uh, we did the show for about a year in San Diego I had a, a guy that invested in the studio and and invested in me to come down there once a month and guests to come out uh, once a month and uh, we'd film three or four shows during that week every month that I was down there and I think we did 60 shows in all and uh, before the wheels came off, and the wheels came off mainly because he had decided to sell the company, and so the facility and everything else had to be moved, and, and that happened in 2013. And uh, then from there, I went into a startup company that was very promising in the educational, uh, uh, interactive educational arena uh, online, and uh, that failed. And now, this last year, I'm a, I've been a, a VP of sales for a very growing young, well, it's not that young, 2002, but uh, a growing uh, baby layette company. And we create swaddle blankets and sleep sacks and all the things that babies need in the sleepwear, especially uh, area, arena, um, from zero to two. And our large- yeah, I remember, Rob, sorry to interrupt, Robert, but yeah. I remember when you took that position, I said, what? Robert was, went from uh, marketing office paper to yeah. baby clothes, and I said, yeah. okay, I'm not sure. Yeah. But you, this was really around, again, helping an organization grow, get their sales process in place, yep. et cetera. I want to back up a little bit, Robert, and so yeah. as a host, I just interrupt, and I want to just make sure that there's no, gems as we go through perfect. it, is when you were thinking about those years in B2B sales and your success, uh, first of all, I just want to focus on what were some of the characteristics or qualities you felt you brought that contributed to your long-term success in, in that role that other people here could uh, embrace or think about. And by the way, everybody that's listening, every single person listening here is in sales. You are influencing your spouse to go to a certain movie or a certain restaurant or teenagers you're trying to influence your parents to let you stay overnight at your friends or whatever. So all of us are in sales or this area of influence. So what was it that you felt that you brought that you would teach other individuals to be successful in this area of sales or this area of influencing others? Well, the biggest thing, I think, and probably the biggest weakness in most salespeople, uh, which is, again, I'll, I'll go to my strengths and, and, and the strengths of sales, but uh, probably is is you have an agenda. So when you're going out in the marketplace, you want to sell something. So that's your agenda. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem with today's marketplace, and really it's been around forever, but the biggest 
strength that you could ever have is to care deeply about who your serving's agenda really is. You might have an agenda to sell a widget, and you might be a good job of persuading someone that they need it. But if, it, if it's not their need, if it's not what they, they uh, really could use and benefit them to the, to the to, you know, highest degree, then did you really serve them if you sold it, if you made the deal, if you closed the deal mm. on something that, that isn't uh, really the agenda or the best interest of the client? And some people go out with that idea in sales. Man, I closed another deal, closed another deal. Okay, great. How was the client served? So I think the biggest thing for, for salespeople or people that want to serve people in that way is to identify what is the concept of the person you're serving. And if you can tie into the concept, like whatever, let's give us a, 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 one story would be like the, the concept of one client would be if I find a solution to our purchasing, this purchasing, purchasing dilemma and the costs and soft costs and all this stuff, I'm going to get a promotion. So really, in that particular buyer's instance, she knew that if, if, she could, if, if I could provide a solution for their purchasing needs and cut on their costs, she was going to get a promotion. So her concept really was promotion, but, but mm-hmm. the solution was we had to bring uh, a, a, a solution to, to their growing costs in, in, in purchasing. So, so, so find, find what that concept is and tie into it. You're going to make the sale. You're going to serve them at their highest you know, degree, and, and uh, you're going to feel a lot better about closing the deal or making that, making that deal happen. And in complex sales, it's the same thing. You have multiple people involved in a decision, and the ones that are going to close more of those deals, and I hate the word close, the ones that are going to come to an agreement, <laughs> mm-hmm. come to an agreement on most of those deals, that's a, that's, a, that's a win-win for everybody, your company that you're representing, including the client you're talking to, is, is helping each one of them uh, find a solution to their concept. So you may go into a deal, and you may say, man, this client loves me and everything's working great. I'm providing the right solution to their concept. And then you find out one of the decision makers and maybe the main decision makers who writes the check, uh, you're not tying into their concept, which is maybe something to do with budget, maybe something to do with timing, maybe something to do with other, other service uh, uh, initiatives that would make them want to sign the check. So you mm-hmm. appease the one that, that maybe set up the meeting, that's in the, that's front facing you most of the time, but not have not served the other person's concept. You didn't get the deal. So it's important when you go into situations where there's multiple buyers, multiple decision makers, you have to find out what is the key concept for each one of them, especially the key buying influences, and then you can serve them at the at their at their at their you know the most valuable uh, uh, reason for doing business with you. And you're going to get the deal. So I think that's, you know, it's that's interesting. Key. Interesting, Robert. You know, there's a lot of chat about it around um, neurotic behavior and self-centeredness, right? Right. Uh, and a word that I really just got to know a few years ago: hubris, which is ego and arrogance, right? Yeah. Um, where you, it's really the opposite. Even though society and TV shows. Uh, sort of embrace this arrogant type, 
Uh, it's the opposite in terms of long-term sales. So when you're thinking about your success in that corporate ro- role uh, to start with, and then we'll kind of transition, uh, what was what were a couple of things that you did that you said, you know, I don't, I don't want to be doing that again outside of you know this agenda side. Well, what were some of the growth things over that twenty plus years that you were growing in that profession that you could share with everybody else? Is that try to avoid this? I did this, and now that I have the experience at my age, uh, yeah, I wish I knew that back then. Anything that comes to mind to you, Robert, around that? Yeah, the biggest thing is as you grow, you become a better listener. I think the greatest thing, the greatest thing a salesperson can do is listen and take the time to listen. Because as you know, most of us hate the salesman that will overtalk you and will continue to talk, 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 talk and try to sell you on something. Nobody wants to be sold. They want to be served. Mm. And so in order to serve them, you have to listen. And I think probably the greatest strength that I've that I've grown to over the years, I've always been able to communicate, I've always been able to talk, and I like to talk, but um, listening. And as I became a better listener, I became, I had, I became to, became to have, uh, started to have uh, uh, tremendous fans of my salesmanship. I mean, um, people that said, I love Rob because he cares about my kids. He comes in here. He doesn't sell me the latest widget. He cares about my kids. He cares about my organization. He talks about things beyond the next latest, greatest white paper, you know, or, mm-hmm. or pencil or pen. You know, I literally, I, that's, that's, I attribute that to my success because people don't want to be sold. They want to be served and they want to know that you care. And that's the biggest thing is I, I came from early on where I went in there and I could, I could talk the talk, I knew my products, I knew why they should buy my product and all that, to being a better listener and really hearing what their concept is, what is their need, right? Uh, one, I'll give you one story. I went into a client, and, uh, uh, and this is a fairly new client, and she had a, and she had a struggle in her um, in, in a relationship with her mom, and, and it was, I mean, she was a young, young woman, and I just listened to her. And she started crying right in the middle of her, her office, and 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 I was there to you know give her some words of, of comfort and some ideas of, of of what she might be able to do. And and she, her heart, you could see just in the middle of that moment, her heart lifted. She felt comforted, and and I walked out of that office thinking, I'm feeling probably the most inspired. Did I sell anything that day? No, but I lifted a heart. And that meant more to me than, I, and I even, I even talked in my, in my own way, talked to God saying, God, if I could do this full time and just help lift hearts, man, this is what I'd like to do. And well, I know that's course, your uh, motivation, uh, uh, motivation, Robert. And so part of what uh, I'm just wanting the listeners to think of, a lot of times, uh, and it's not manipulation, um, you know, if people are being sincere and uh, authentic, Right. Yeah. is that do we really, really care about the people we're serving or are we just self-centered around our own agenda? Yes, I do, we do want to sell whatever it is that we're selling, but yeah. it's in partnership with that person. You know, one of the things, we've had Marshall Goldsmith on this show, you know, one of the number one leadership coaches in the world, says, you yeah. know, where do we make a contribution? 
So Absolutely. you've contributed to that person's life. Uh, you've helped her. And what many professionals don't realize is that approach actually long-term will get you more sales. So it, so it seems like you're not, but the, the fact that you care about people and that you put them first versus your own agenda. And that is very difficult for individuals to do, especially if you're, you know, as a long-term 20-year sales trainer, Robert, you know, sometimes people are under pressure. You know, yep. It's sort of like the high school guy who is desperate. He never gets a date. It's the guy who doesn't want a date who can get the date. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> you know what I mean by that, right? Oh, here comes yes. the desperate guy, and that was me in high school, right? So I just... So I have personal experience with that. So, okay, so that's part of, you know, what you're really communicating to the audience today is that how can you put other people first and contribute to their lives? And, you know, if you – it was the old Zig Ziglar thing, right? Oh, yeah. Help enough people get what they want so that then you will get what you want. Absolutely. Uh, that's 50 years old as part of it. Now, one of the other areas, uh, Robert, I just want to kind of transition. And, you know, we are – a, a generic show, so there's different directions that we could go with this. But uh, what motive? You were in this great sort of corporate job, making uh, I'll say big bucks, but doing very well. Thank you very much. And then yeah. you decided to kind of go out and do these this community work around the world. What was really driving that for you? And what what process did you go through to make such a big life shift? Well, I think part of it was, you know, I'd, I'd been the big billion dollar, you know, with the big billion dollar corporation. So part of it was, um, and you don't know, is it you? Is it something else directing you beyond you? But you, you feel agitated. I always tell some, I always say, sometimes you get unsettled because you're about to be resettled. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's an unsettling that happens. And, and some people look down on it. And I always look, beyond it and say, okay, if I'm unsettled, what's the reason? Is there something I need to change in me? Is there something about to change in, in the direction that I need to pivot to? So, so you get become unsettled. And I was becoming unsettled um, with corporate, the corporate work I was doing. I was, I was uh, doing, you know, uh, twice as much business and, and making, you know, 30% less money because they changed the commission structure. You know, so mm-hmm. so that's that's deflating. You're, you're you're growing, you know, double digits every year and making less money. So that was one thing. But then, I, as as I progressed in this journey, every vacation I took, and my wife and I was with me, and most of them, we take six, eight weeks a year, and we go somewhere that would be fun, like South Africa and Australia. But we'd also do some purposeful things within those communities. So so that was that was happening, and I thought, well, what if we could find a way to do more of that, that we could also make a living doing. Now, the living part was the ch- was the challenge because how do you do that? And, and you know, don't consider it a job, but more kind of a you know, a charity. And mm-hmm. so that that was a tough challenge. But what's nice about it is we made it for six years. Um, we thought we would you know be able to do it indefinitely, and, and, and we still have that vision. There's some other things in the works, but in the meantime, you still have to pay your bills. So I did some coaching and consulting during that time, and now I'm working full-time for an organization and helping them grow their business. So, so I think the motivation is I, I just I saw every year a little bit of what I could contribute, 
and I had a desire to do more. And at the same time, what used to really get me up every morning um, in my job wasn't as exciting anymore. The mm-hmm. organization that I used to be proud to serve, I was less proud. And uh, then, it, then it was easy, easier to make that, you know, make that, that pivot. Well, that's a perfect transition, Robert. And it's interesting, you know, for everybody listening here, is that if you are unsettled, in other words, the word I use is that you're not in peace. So yep. you're just not sort of in this peaceful place. Then there are reasons for that. So are we paying attention to those hints, those clues, those elements that are contributing um, to it? And so that we need to pay attention to it rather than fight back on that uh, with it. So one of the other areas of expertise that you speak on, uh, Robert, that both of us work in, and that is this whole area of leadership. So when we think about leadership right now, you know, in the family, globally, politically, all these kinds of things, obviously the leadership changed in that organization from something that you were proud of or something that you were connected to to something that you weren't. What was the yeah. difference? What was the shift? And how can we apply that to the listeners and their leadership, both in the family and, and with others? So, so can you rephrase that question again? That was a, well, a think about you, you had, there was leadership in your, your company that yeah. you were happy to be connected to, and they conducted themselves in a certain way, and they conducted themselves with you. And then it shifted to the point where it says, I need to kind of leave here. I'm not proud of them anymore. What, yeah. was, what was the change? And so, they went from it, something to something. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was they really, it, it really became a, more and more of a top-down style of management. And I, I at the time, was making more money than my managers uh, because I was, you know, when you do well in sales, you can make more money than your managers. And, and so there was some, some, I think, uh, jealousies I, that that I saw play out. Um, I also saw a lot of more centralization of the company. So as we got as we got bought out, or as we bought other companies, and then and 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 then became Office Max, and and then I left before we became Office Depot. Office Max became Office Depot, but um, it. It, we became more centralized, so almost like a, a, this big centralized company. So I couldn't even serve my clients. That was the biggest thing. When, I needed, when they needed something in, in a way that, that, that was like instant, right now we need it, we need, but it's not according to our corporate policies to do it. And in the past we could pivot because we weren't at this big machine, but now mm-hmm. we can't because we got an answer to the central you know, headquarters. That was that was one big reason to pivot, and from a management perspective, leadership perspective, the other piece was um, we instead of working with real people with real numbers, we began to become so technical that we had what we call the dashboard system, and in the dashboard system, nobody could figure out what they could make. So in the past, we knew if we do this much margin and we do this much business in our territory, we know we can earn this much. Well, now we have this, this dashboard that you look at, and you have green lights, yellow lights, red lights in every different category. And, and it just, there was no way they could explain it. They just, all they know is you hit green light here, green light here, you could do this. And it was so um, mathematically impossible, even for the most brilliant guy to figure out, 
that it felt like we were being cheated in a lot of ways. Mm. So, so I think not being authentic, so we talk about authentic leadership, when you've got, when you can't break it down to simple terms and how you communicate to the people that, that are working for the organization, I think, I think then you become a number. You feel like you're a number. You feel like you're a commodity. Um, if they can take your territory and bring five people in for what you're earning, uh, why not? Why not consider doing that? You know. So I think I saw some of that happen to some of the reps, and uh, yeah, it, it, it it's just not it's not a good way to manage, in my opinion. So when we think about authenticity, and I mean, of course, that's one of the areas that you work in too. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean to you? You know, if you're if we're describing sort of, I don't know if there's such a thing as perfect leadership, but if we're describing successful leadership yep. and successful leaders, contrary to what uh, this bureaucracy and this run-by-the-accountant kind of system uh, versus relationships, what, what is that for you, and what does that mean for our listeners? So, the old, first of all, the old top-down style of management, it, do, it doesn't work long-term. It can work. Intimidation can work, but it doesn't. Workers want to feel that their work matters. Um, they want to believe in the people that are, that are, that are leading them. And it's, it's really vital for leaders to inspire passion and confidence in the people they're, they're leading. And that, 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 make, that means have becoming a safe place, a safe place. Like I talked to, I, I, I spoke to a leadership team in Australia and he said, well, I tell them my door, and he gave me 360 ability, meaning I could talk to all the different department leads mm-hmm. in confidence. So we sat down, and he says, well, I have this open-door policy. My door is always open. He goes, oh, yeah, I go, but you know what? They're afraid to walk through it. And so, so, so it's one thing to, for a leader to say, oh, I'm, I'm always here. They can, but, but unless you create the ability to show that you care, a safe place that people can come up and express themselves in a safe environment where you're really willing to listen so things can get fixed, that's not authentic leadership. That's not successful leadership for today. And What so, are some other characteristics, Robert, of an authentic leader? So, first of all, it's, it's the, the leader himself themselves have to be behaving and showing the practice of being one with integrity and being consistent, staying true to their values. Hopefully they have values and they're staying true to their values. And it'd be nice for, if they'd be able to communicate what their values and the organization's values are. Um, and I think it's also to, um, uh, that they have, uh, that they're able to communicate in a way that people can really understand. And that, and that includes, the, like I said earlier, number one, setting the tone, um, understanding there's going to be ethical dilemmas and how are you going to recognize them and deal with them, you know, because people are watching. Um, how are you exerting your power? Are you exerting it from an intimidation style or are you exerting it by showing example, um, showing your expertise, being willing to listen and then do, and, and then making it, making determined decisions to fix things. That's power. That's the, the right kind of power. Um, sharing your expertise, maintain, again, maintaining your credibility so people can see. Um, and I think, again, the biggest thing is have, becoming an active listener. And, 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 and not just when they come to you, but making an opportunities for them 
to speak to what what they see in their department or their area and and have it so safe that they could even be critical of how you're leading <laughs> and you welcome it. And that's not easy for many of the leaders I've met in today's, you know, corporate world. But the best leaders that I know, they open these opportunities for communication and becoming an active listener. Well, it's interesting, Robert, a lot of individuals, when you think about uh, receiving feedback, I had Jim Cousins who wrote the book, The Leadership Challenge, and he said one of the number one um, gaps in leaders today is they not, they're not willing nor are they intentionally going after feedback. And yep. so uh, you can't, as this Australian leader says, well, it's open door, but he didn't really even know that his behaviors or didn't acknowledge that his behaviors were not being, quote, unquote, open. So the door, he said the door was open, but his behavior didn't support that. You know, Marshall Goldsmith talks about one of the, one of the number one behaviors from leaders who will shut down and destroy a company is trying to always be right. Yep. So, it, you know, it's the leader's job, if it's authentic, is really to bring out the best in others. And that's what you're seeing with your work and those individuals there. What would be some other behaviors that I need to avoid or I need to embrace if I'm, I mean, even if I'm leading my family, what, you know, we talk about listening and listening being a good uh, skill set. Yeah. What, what other behaviors do we want to avoid or to embrace to improve my leadership in whatever context that might be? I might even be leading a volunteer group. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, really paying attention. And, and I think, you know, when you talk to your wife, how do you show that you're paying attention? There's a lot to do with your body language, um, gestures that you're actually listening um, comments, you know, hmm, they'll tell me more. You know, it's important that they know. I mean, I've, I've, I've had my mind preoccupied at times, and my kids have seen me at that, and, and, and my wife has too, and she said, you didn't hear one word I said. And she knew I didn't because I was nodding my head, but, but I wasn't engaged in the conversation. And uh, so, so it's important to be engaged. I think it's important to provide feedback and I love I love Marshall's uh, feed forward. I don't know if you've ever, ever tapped into um, his feed forward um, scenarios, but that's that's really cool. Um, he does feed forward sessions, and and so provide feedback or feed forward, giving experiences that that could help somebody in in, in a situation they're in um, mm-hmm. versus what they're doing currently, which is a feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important to defer judgment. Uh, you know, while you're in that moment of listening um, and really listen without judgment uh, so that you can really assess and really listen because if you're already preparing for <laughs> what you're going to respond to, that, that sometimes you're not really listening. You have um, a pre-described uh, answer before you actually got an answer to the question. Or exactly. To the, or to the conversation. Exactly. And then it comes all the way back to ego, and that's putting – your people and your organization first, uh, besides yourself, because because that's I mean you want your people to thrive, and they're going to thrive when they know you care, and the organization is going to thrive because the people know that they care and they're going to perform at a higher level, and so you got to put the company's initiatives and the people first before your own you know self, 
and those are the leaders that thrive. Now, Robert, uh, you know, you and I have uh, known each other for a little bit now, and we were talking off air before we got on to this podcast about how some senior leaders are just so arrogant, self-centered. We just had, I just had a personal interaction with somebody like that, and I said, you know, a senior VP of a company of 300 people, and he was just being an absolute jerk. So how do you think these individuals get into these positions and organizations continue to support them? Uh, What has your experience been in this kind of dysfunctional protectionism, if you want to call it, of these uh, individuals who really are not worthy of the position that they have been promoted to? Yeah, I think I think if they can they can uh, have a perception of success monetarily, meaning pushing some new revenue, but but ultimately they're not going to have long-term success because it will people will leave, good people will leave. They will not keep good people for for, uh, um, for growth in the company, and there's huge costs in replacing good people and trying to find other mm-hmm. good people that you can train. So that's one thing, and the other thing is typically guys like this guy that you're talking about, they operate on intimidation. So so they can get people to perform for, through the fear of a paycheck. So you can get performance. Um, you're not going to get optimized performance, but you can get people to perform knowing that if they don't, they're, they're out the door um, or they're moved to another department or whatever. So, so it can be effective. I'm not saying intimidation can't be effective. It, it, it's been proven to be effective in, in, in the military and other, in other arenas, but it's not a long-term effect. In the end, especially today, people are smarter um, they, in some ways, they have ability to make you know decisions and move to other organizations that will treat them better. It will not sustain itself. Well, it's interesting, Robert. This organization, uh, and I'll keep it nameless, right? But they actually teach leadership and management. And what's really ironic is they're the last organization to embrace exactly what they teach, and so that's really uh, interesting. The, the other thing that supports your comments is that we had relationships with many people in the organization and all the nice people, and I mean people who listen, people who were willing to have conversations, have left. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. Is the people who are, who are still there seem to model that same behavior on a, in, of intimidation and that they probably wouldn't get a job in another organization that has progressive leadership style where they're being authentic, where they're being sincere, where they, where they listen. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. So when we're thinking about, you know, success in life, Robert, um, I mean, you, we've all, as entrepreneurs and individuals, had uh, missteps along the way. What were a couple of... Um, I don't want the details, and, and that's not important. That's private. But what were a couple of situations where you could share with the listeners decisions you made and then really said, I really don't want to do that again, and yeah. uh, you know, where we, we've learned from our mistakes or we've learned from our experiences, let's call it that. What would be a couple of examples 
where you would just share with the listeners to try to avoid certain things just generally in life? What would yeah. a couple of those be? Well, one is, uh, I think we talk about a multitude of counsel versus, you know, an island unto yourself. So one of the things that's specific that I've learned and I think is important is when you're making a big decision, whether it's a business decision or a life decision, really seek after counsel. People that have been there, people that that care about you, especially that are a safe place that if you share with them, that, that, that they'll keep it in confidence and give you some, some ideas and thoughts about the decision you're about to make. So I think it's important to do those things before you make a big decision versus just making a decision, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if you're married, Obviously, you know, you, you, you have to, your wife's got to be hopefully in alignment with it. It's a big decision that you're going to or make. Or if your wife and you're doing a thing for your husband or so in whatever kind of partnership that you might have with your brother, exactly. your sister, uncle, aunt. Yeah, yeah, it could be uh, your boyfriend dad. or some, yeah, significant other. It doesn't matter, but somebody that is significant enough that, we're, that, that they're involved in your life that, you know, that you those decisions would be, it's important that they're, they, 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 they're on board with, or they don't have to be on board, but they, if you can have them aligned with you, it's always better. <laughs> I mean, the, if that'll avoid conflict, I've made decisions without uh, my wife's input in the past, and those don't always work out. And they're not usually major decisions, but they're still uh, decisions that, that I should have had her feedback on. So those are important. I think also um, in a business situation, um, always try when you you know we talk about selling to Vito. Vito is the very important top officer. Anytime you can sell to Vito, the very important top officer of a company, it's always best. Um, but what's tough sometimes and challenging and can really hurt you is if you are working with someone and you're having some challenge getting in the door or you're having some challenge making things happen, and you automatically, and I'm not saying you don't ever, but if you automatically go above them, it could cause a lot of problems, um, especially if the person above them is uh, in, in a significant position, I mean, significant leader enough to saying, I let my person own that position, and now you've bypassed that person, they let own that position <laughs> to them. So you, now, you, now you're in trouble with, with the person that you thought would be maybe get you in the door and the person that was actually the one you should have continued to work with. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think uh, selling to Vito is great, especially when you haven't really engaged. You always want to go to the highest level of officer within a company who can make decisions. And sometimes it's multiple uh, influences in a company. But be real careful and cautious to use... Uh, overstep that person's significance and authority or per- perceived authority in that uh, in that position. Mm-hmm. Now you you said something a minute ago that I don't want the listeners to miss. And that is seek wise counsel from people who have been there. Yeah. Um, that's so important Robert because the last thing you want to do is seek counsel from somebody who doesn't have experience in the pathway that you're going down. Uh, everybody today with social media has an opinion. Very few are actually valid. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so if you're going to seek wise counsel, 
it has to be somebody that, as you said, that you trust that have your confidence, but also uh, are individuals who have been down that pathway, who can, from their own experience, share that. And that's, unfortunate a lot of times where peers who are sharing with one another, they give counsel, but they actually don't have the experience or really the right to share in that, in that space. Well, yeah, it's important. The experience is important, but keep in mind you could have someone who had the experience but had a bad experience, bad outcome, because they made bad choices in that experience. So it's important to seek wise counsel that have experience but also uh, that actually made wise choices within that experience. <laughs> so that's why it's, sometimes it's, it's good to have a multitude of, of counsel because, you know, you may not always get the best advice even from somebody who had gone through a similar experience. And I, mm. I mean, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of, I've seen people that, that gone through a divorce counseling somebody that separated and, and they're, yeah, they experienced divorce, but the advice they were giving this person was not good. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, so, you'd rather so, say, well, I counseled with somebody who went through a separation who then got back together and how they did it. Yeah, yeah, they found so they that found might a be success. an example. Yeah, okay. yeah, or they did if they if they had to go through divorce, they had a they did it with love, integrity, and and thinking. So it's important, and also it's important that they care about you, that they're not uh, feeding off their own agenda. They're not feeding off, uh, you know, trying to get you to do something they did because it'll make them feel better. So it's somebody mm. that really cares about you, your family. Um, yet the, the closer they are to you, then the, the more I would really listen. Exactly. Well, other thank than, you for other that. Other than sages, sages or forefathers, like a, a people like a Marshall Goldsmith or other leaders that have experiences you can draw from, not necessarily a one-on-one conversation, those things are very valuable. But I'm talking about one-on-ones, advice. It's important that they really care. Mm, For sure. So, Robert, as as we get to the close of this show and we've talked about your journey and your heart to be able to serve other individuals, what would be some final words to the listeners? You know, the, the show is called The Secrets to Success. But if you were to, I am now your uh, coachee, and you're just sharing with me your wisdom about what really has driven your success in life. Beyond what you've shared so far with the listeners, what would be those two or three nuggets that you'd like to share with us today to say, if you did this, this is in my experience, really leads you towards success in life? What would that be, Robert? I would say uh, authentic leadership which which means ethical leadership um, become people that have have actually have values and ethical codes that they don't compromise on that you wouldn't compromise on um, and and then being able to uh, define them and communicate them to the organization and 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 and, pra- and in, in an example you know being accountable you know they're seeing you making a difference uh, in the organization, focusing on details, you know, delivering quality, always being honest, keeping promises, reliability, all these things. Being positive is a big deal. Um, People don't want somebody that's completely negative, especially if you're a leader. You know, obviously there's challenges, so you don't want to be fake, 
but you, you need to be someone who has resolve and you have, can make a determined decision towards a solution, and then they're going to follow you, and then they're going to trust you, and then they're going to feel safe around you, and the team is going to benefit from you as a leader. Well, thanks, Robert. I mean, when you, if I was to summarize all those comments, it's really around character and character traits. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and just how important they are to being successful in life. Robert, if people want to get a hold of you or find out more about what you do, how might they do that? So uh, my, my email address is robert.ricciardelli. So it's robert.ricciardelli at gmail.com. And my website is the convergingzone.com. So convergingzone.com. And it's still the the new website is in a work in progress, um, and then I the company I work for is Swallow Designs, and we make amazing baby designs. If you want to look them up, it's SwallowDesigns.com. Oh man, you had to sell some baby clothes and we all had, those we different gotta, items to before. Got to promote the baby stuff for <laughs> sure. <laughs> to do it. Well, I thanks uh, Robert uh, for being on the show today. Thank you. It's great being here. You know. You know, listeners, that take what Robert has shared with you really around, you know, a couple of gems there where if you're not feeling peaceful in your life, it, that take that as a positive sign about what is the next step for you, what's the growth for you, what's the next level of contribution, in that you really you live in authenticity, that you give your best, that you get rid of your agenda and you focus on others first rather than being self-centered. As we ask each time when you're on the show, we just thank you for listening. You've given us the most valuable thing that you have, and that is your time. If you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, whatever format that you're listening in. If you can leave a positive comment on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, then we very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success, and I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.